This podcast is sponsored by Borfindel's Dwarf Spirits. Guaranteed to blow your head off. I, I mean, really. I've seen it. One sip and boom. I'm not entirely sure I see the point, but they seem quite popular. Anyway, order Borfindel's Dwarf Spirits now at the introductory price of 14 groats per gallon and get a pint of Goblin Spittle for free. All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk, a title which I can now say in one breath without having to read it. I, as always, am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, and Mor- oh, I can't say that, though, can I? <laughs> <laughs> and what were you going to say? <laughs> uh, I'll try that yeah. again. Uh, I, as always, am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and Peter is not with me this week because he is in China. That's which is a long way. That's away. the cover story, anyway. I, I, that's the cover I hope story. That, that so, Swedish clinic uh, helps out. T- taking his place, doing his finest Peter coffee impression is uh, my good friend Shane Stacks from all the way over in Arkansas. Yes. I have to make my requisite <laughs> joke. Boy, you know, boy, are my arms tired or whatever the, yes. whatever the joke is. I just flew in and boy, that are my old, arms tired. Yeah. 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 Shane yeah. Stacks from uh, Shane Plays here. Uh, always glad and thank uh, to be here. And thank you for the invitation, Russ. And thank you for the invitation, Peter. Right. I think we should do some RPG yes, news. Sir. Do you remember Monty Cook's Petolus? I do, and I I did see a headline about that recently. So, what what was that headline about? Well, Petolus City on the Spire, or by the Spire, or under the Spire, or in the Spire, one of those things. Petolus was Monty Cook's um, home campaign setting, which he released as a 700-page book back in the D&D 3.5 era. Ah, so, is merely 15, a splat book. 15, 20 years ago? Yeah, long, long, yeah. long, long time ago. It was massive. It was yeah. gorgeous. It had ribbons. Uh, and it was probably like the most, you know, prestige product of that era. Right. I think it was over $100. I can't, I can't really? remember how much it was. It was over... Uh, anyway, uh, he is bringing that to D&D 5th edition and to the Cypher system. Nice. That I think that's what I saw was the cipher system. I didn't realize it was coming to five E as well. But yeah, Monty Cook. I mean, he's just he's known for putting out really highly polished premium products. Uh, I, I personally, I like the cipher system. I love Numenera. Hmm. I don't. I haven't played any of his stuff translated over into into five E. But you know, he's he's a master designer and he has a great team at Monty Cook Games. So I'd, I'd be interested. Well, they've they've totally mastered the. Um the art of the Kickstarter, haven't they? They do mm-hmm. two a year, and every single time, pretty much, it does half it, a million It goes dollars. nuts. Yeah, I've actually... Yeah. I had the pleasure to interview Monty one time. Super nice guy. Really humble. Uh, and, and just not, you know, not a diva at all, considering his place in RPGs. And I've also interviewed uh, Sean or Jermaine a couple of times that works a lot with him. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, you know, I, I think uh, they have Bruce Cordell and some other folks. It's just a great, great team yeah. over there. I feel like I... I feel like we might have covered this one last week, actually. Well, it does sound... Uh, I know that y'all were talking about Monty Cook Games because you were trying to... Oh, uh, we must have done. We yeah, you were trying then. to remember Oops. Bruce Cordell. I remember that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did, didn't but, we? Oh, yeah, well. 
we've covered it. We've well, covered it twice. yeah, we'll we'll see. It's 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 good stuff. Um, and if people are wanting to search, it's Patolus. So P T O L U S. Also, there's a, yeah. I'm sure there's a news link on Ian World, and Daryl's really good at putting links in the show notes. Uh, yes, he is. he is, sir. He is. Uh, right. Superhero RPGs. Dun, dun, dun. So, the Bamfsies. The Bamfsies are uh, an awards uh, system, which is uh, just for superhero RPGs. They call themselves a Cheeky and Fun RPG Award, uh, focused solely on superhero RPGs. And you can vote for your favorite supers RPG right now. Well, uh, I actually, that that's kind of close to my heart because I love superhero RPGs. So, I, uh, in fact, uh, I probably spent more time playing Villains of Vigilantes and Marvel superheroes before I really sank my teeth into D&T, into D&D. Mm. Uh, so I think that's really cool that, they, that, that somebody's put together their own awards. Another somewhat related item is... Uh, Spectaculars, the Spectacular Superhero RPG. Should, I'm waiting, I'm yeah. waiting. I backed that Kickstarter, and apparently they're on their That's way That's what out. I was going to say, yeah, so I'm super excited. That's uh, Rodney Thompson, who used to be on the D&D yes. 5e team. Uh, he delivered a game a couple of years ago called Dust City Outlaws, which mm. was a lot of fun, and the, the components and everything were magnificent for that game and it looks like the same thing is going to be with spectacular so uh and and his his goal is to deliver sort of a rich rpg experience but with the short notice of a board game what do we want to do tonight you go pull the box off and you get to play an rpg without a lot of setup or a lot of you know and and you know I, i i can't wait to get my hands on spectaculars yeah, so Spectacular's used the exact same system, doesn't it's it? It's something very Just similar. Apples, it, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very similar. but And it's also designed to be an ongoing, even if you only play it every now and then, to be an ongoing campaign very easily. Mm. Uh, so, I don't know. It, uh, like I said. Yeah, I cannot, I cannot wait for my copy yeah. of that. Yeah. Hey, you know uh, Wild Mount? Yeah, is that? Do you say it Wild Mount or Wild Mount? I wasn't sure, but uh, I I am told that Matt Mercer says Wild Mount. All right, then. Wi- and I think if anyone knows, it's Wild him. Mount. It is Wild Mount. It is. It's like Oscar Wilde. Wild yes. Mount. So uh, we we talked about it last week, but uh, Wizards of the Coast Greg uh, Taito was on a on a Twitch stream mm-hmm. the other day. And he was talking about it, and he said um, that this this book has had the most excitement and pre-orders, you know, in the raw numbers, since the D&D core rule books, which were like five, six years ago. You know, that, uh, now one that surprises me, but but I believe it, you know, if he's saying that, I mean, he's got the inside, uh, mm. the inside track, and it, and it kind of goes to reinforce, you said something last week that I paused and, and kind of pondered on and parsed through. And, and, and you were saying not necessarily as a household name, but as excitement within the RPG community that, mm. that Critical Role and whatnot has the same clout, if not more, than, than D&D, Wizards of the Coast. And, you know, mm. I really sat back and thought about that. And, and I think you're right. And I think that this kind of goes... To support that, if Matt Mercer and Critical Role do something right now, it, it's just big. It's it's just huge. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, if you look at the other settings that uh, Wizards has released right. in the five E era, so we've got Ravenloft, we've got uh, what Eberron, 
uh, Ravnica, whole bunch of Forgotten Realms mm-hmm. stuff. And this, uh, Explorer's Guide to Wildmount, is outselling all of them. That's amazing. I mean, you know, from a from a longtime D&D fan, I mean, obviously, I want, like, Dragonlance or something, right? But, no, I, 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 I mean, I would just, I would absolutely love Tell you what I really want. I want a Netflix TV series. Dragon Dragonlance? It, that's what I, that's not a film. I want a TV it's show. It's ready-made. It's it's re- it's all yeah. there. It's just you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you and I are both huge Dragonlance nerds. Um, but anyway, you know this. It's just my. I guess my original point was like I want Dragonlance or you know something like that. But from a corporate perspective, Wizards of the Coast. I mean, it just makes total sense to put out you know this. Now the one the one critique I could make is that mm. you know Forgotten Realms is epic high fantasy right yes. and from what i understand uh the critical is it taldoriel is that how you say it the main uh so uh, the world is called exandria okay. uh Tal-Dore is the left hand continent and wild mount is the right hand continent but is it not also just epic high fantasy i mean is it oh yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. if if yeah. somebody were going to critique this they could just say well you're just basically releasing the critical roles Forgotten Realms, but if people want it and there's that much interest in it, good for them. Exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, think right, Critical Role. So they did a Kickstarter for the cartoon show of their of their story and made what eleven million dollars, a, a, a mind blowing, ridiculous amount. Yeah. Right. It, then they got picked up by Amazon for two seasons. <laughs> I mean, Critical Role, and now they're outselling. Every single RP D and D book, and D- and bear in mind D and D is the biggest you know, name right. in the industry, and something with critical role on it is outselling every single one. They're of those. eight. They're out. I'll see if I can say this right. They're out. Eight hundred pound gorilla in the eight hundred pound gorilla. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and you know, as I've said before, a lot. You know, a lot. You know, because I do radio shows, a podcast about RPGs, and then I I do videos and stuff on YouTube. A lot of people ask me about Critical Role, and mm. it's not my cup of tea, but people like it and good good for them. And, you know, it's good for the hobby. There's, you know, so many people that are getting interested in D&D and RPGs because of Critical Role. And, you know, mm. they're they're good ambassadors, you know. They're not they're not out there being yeah. crazy or doing, you know, I mean, they're good for good for Critical Role in D&D. I mean, it was a couple of years ago the Wizard of the Coast said the over 50% of new players came through Critical right. Role. That's, a, that's huge. I mean, that's almost, <laughs> yeah. it's almost at the extent where D&D relies uh-huh. on Critical Role. Do you know what I mean? If Critical Role were to suddenly, I don't know, switch to another, I'm not saying they will right. do, but if they were to switch to another system or launch their own system, right. the Critical Role RPG, right. which... You never know. know. Seems seems like um, that. I don't know if it would rival D anD D, but it would be up there in the sort of pathfinder sort of level. I reckon of it. It it would definitely impact D anD D to a certain extent. Now, uh, and you know, I've heard people say, "Well, you know, people they come in to play tabletop role playing games, and their expectations are completely out of whack because they expect critical role." I've never run into that. I've had a lot of people show up to games. I don't, I don't get that anyway. Yeah. If you if you right. watch a football a football right. match, American or yeah. or everyone else, right. you know, normal football, either of them. If you go and watch a professional football right. match, and then you go home right. 
and then you play football with your it's, friends. Yeah, you don't expect true. that to be the same that standard. Is, that is you? a good point. That's a very good point. It's a good analogy. Uh, I'll tell you what I've had more, and it's not even difficulty, just every new D&D player, RPG player, you got to kind of work with them to help them understand the game and mm. how the table works, is, is coming in from single-player RPG games like Skyrim. You know, and, and it, I, it's more adjusting those expectations. And also, like, like you're not the hero and everybody else here is an extra. You know, it's kind of a team effort, you know, kind of thing. Mm. So, yeah. But again, good for Critical Role in D&D. Yeah. Uh, right, should we, should we move on from that then? Yes, uh, sir. Uh, we got a little bit of Pathfinder news here. Yeah. So, the lead designer of Pathfinder used to be yeah. uh, the creator of Pathfinder, which was Jason Borman. Mm-hmm. And a few months ago, he was promoted to, I can't remember what it was exactly, but a, a more broad sort of, uh, a, high, a higher level was he than just lead designer. the god emperor of the Pathfinder universe? Exactly okay. that. Here we go. Uh, team leader for, for second edition. All right. So, so that's not, that's not just, um, you know, the, 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 the book design right. and stuff, it's uh, other stuff. But Logan Bonner uh, has taken his place uh, as Pathfinder lead designer. I see that. In fact, I had I had called that as, as a possible news item. And uh, he's, he sent out a tweet, I think it was yesterday, and he said, this is officially official now. I'm now the Pathfinder lead designer. That means I'm in charge of the overall, overall rules ecology for Pathfinder 2E. Mm. Per, and then he, in parentheses he says, he says, "Well, the parts made by Paizo anyway." Yeah. So, yeah. so Jason Jason Bullman, because I, I I I said I assumed it was Jason Bullman before him. He actually he, he responded to me. He said, uh, "Technically, there hasn't been a Pathfinder lead designer since his title was changed to uh, Director of Game Design there at Paizo." So he he got he got promoted to Director of Game Design a few months back, and there hasn't been a Pathfinder lead designer for the last I don't know few months but he's basically saying logan has basically been doing that job. anyway yeah it, it, anyway and this just kind of empowers him to make the big decisions he needs to make without having to keep running to you know get approvals for stuff so i wonder if if we and i know it's probably not an exact match because every organization is slightly different but is so is he sort of the jeremy crawford now or the mike Merles of pathfinder i wonder well mike 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 Merles is I don't know what he's actually doing now. He doesn't seem to be directly involved with the game itself now. I think he's gone right into the more sort of management side of things. Huh. Well, he's, he's uh, so anyway. Sorry, interrupted you. Go ahead. No, sorry. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Jeremy Crawford's the lead rules designer, isn't he over there? I think. Yeah, and and head head think, head yeah. Twitter uh, rules corrector. Head Twitter. Yeah. Uh, Twitter. Yeah. Head Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, yeah. That's 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 really you know good for Logan. Good for Pathfinder. Yeah. You know, I still want to play Pathfinder 2nd Edition, you know, maybe... I really like it. Yeah, I want to check it out. A lot. You know, maybe at a con or a one-shot or something like that. I always love checking out new systems. I'm very system promiscuous. I think it's my favorite fantasy sort of D20-based game. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Right now. I mean that might that might change and it might be well I was going to say because it's new but it's not that new anymore I've been I've been playing it for a few months yeah. now but uh, it's it's my go to at the moment for if I want a fantasy D twenty game that's my current go to loved I'd love to play it sometime and and again the art for Pathfinder two has been spectacular I bought the mm. I bought the GM screen and I don't like I said I don't even play Pathfinder just and I bought art, it just yeah. for the art yeah, yeah it's, it's nice yeah, it's, it's really a nice, nice screen, so. 
All right. So Logan Bonner, good for you as, as mm-hmm. you uh, protect and shepherd the Pathfinder second edition rules ecology. Let's jump with a seamless segue from Pathfinder to Vampire the Masquerade. Ah, yes, I had this pulled up too. Uh, I'm going to guess, I'm going to use my psychic powers. People at home can't see this, but you can. I'm pointing my fingers at my temples. <laughs> my po- my fingers. Because that is how psychic powers yeah, my, work. I'm pointing my fingers <laughs> at my temples. And I think this might have something to do with the New Blood starter pack. That is exactly what this okay. is. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, so this is uh, so it's PDF only, I think. Yes, it is. Um, but it's designed with new GMs in mind, and it teaches you how to play the latest edition, which is five? Yeah, fifth edition, mm-hmm. is it? Yeah. Uh, so what you get is you get a rules reference guide, you get uh, printable enemy and victim cards, you get seven pre-gen characters, and a relationship map. A relationship map. I'm not sure what that is, but yeah, you get a relationship map. Well, the relationships... Okay, so I've only played Vampire 5th Edition once. I played uh, Mm. at a recent convention, Arkansas RPG Con, actually. And Mm. the relationships in the history among the players were very important. Like, so, you know, if, if anybody has never played a World of Darkness game... You could play mm-hmm. it straight action if you wanted, but it's much more about atmosphere and storytelling and that sort of thing and the interaction between characters and, and the drama of it all. Uh, mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed it. I have to say, I, I enjoyed that intro adventure that I played quite a bit. Um, uh, the, the story was was really well done and the system is easy to use, you know. So Yeah. 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 I'm just looking at the description of this adventure that comes in this uh this uh, starter pack, and it has you waking up in this meat locker. <laughs> <laughs> and as you come to your senses, you kind of realise that uh, you're hungry. But, um, yeah, you're not hungry for the meat. You're hungry for blood. Blood! Blood. blood. Yes. Yes, you realise you have been embraced into the world of kindred. Yes. And again, for those that don't know, the kindred are the vampires and vampire. Yes. You know, I'm excited for World of Darkness making a comeback. I mean, we've got werewolf coming pretty soon and, and it, it's cool stuff. You know, I don't, I don't know if it'll ever reach the, the cultural, uh, cachet, if you will, that it did in the nineties when it, you know, it kind of mm-hmm. captured that punk aesthetic and, and, you know, it's just kind of a perfect storm, but I'm really glad to see that it's out there. So. Yeah, and, you know, that's that's Modiphius, so you pretty much know what you're going to get. And, of course, Modiphius, as we all know... Yeah, publishes everything. Every <laughs> yeah, like, as we know that there was a news item, what, on your site a few weeks back that Modiphius acquired themselves, basically. Was it more more yeah. dice for us, acquires more dice for well, us? Well, I, I, I don't want to sort of, like, steep too highly into irony here, but there is, in fact, this week, news of Modiphius picking up yet another new <laughs> RPG license. <laughs> it's like it just wouldn't be a Tuesday without yeah. them picking up a license, you know yeah. what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah, pretty soon they're yeah, pretty soon they're gonna have to launch into space to find new yeah. new uh, games to acquire. I know. Yeah. Well this one is for the video game Dishonored. I th- yeah, I did a see something that about that. Nothing about. It's uh, right. I'm not I'm not a video game kind of guy, but they've picked up the license, they're gonna be using the two D twenty system and it's it's already mainly done. Right. 
They've announced it late in the development process, and it's being released uh, this coming summer. Yeah. Well, there, I, I haven't played Dishonored myself, but there's a lot of people that love it. So, you know, uh, it. why not, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, if you can successfully bridge that interest between RPGs and video games, you know, either way, you know, uh, th- that's great for me because a rising tide lifts all boats. So uh, what, what I don't like is when they when they just knock something out cheaply uh yeah. that you know everyone's like well this is this is terrible you know but Modifius has yeah. has a good track record I'll say I'll yeah. I'll editorialize just a little bit I'm actually not a huge fan of the 2D20 system uh I've never played it it, it I keep yeah. I've, I've heard about it yeah. and I basically know in my head how it works but I've never never played it's it It's not like like if somebody was like let's play this game on 2D20 I wouldn't be like no I'm not going to play that but like Star Trek, for example, I've run it a few times and, and the 2D20 system itself isn't that bad. It's basically just a, a dice pool system with D20s, mm. but there's all these extra chips and tokens. And I feel like I'm a blackjack or a poker dealer at the same time that I'm, you know, uh, and, and all that. But uh, it, I, I, like I said, I wouldn't I wouldn't not play a 2D20 system, you know, and that's their core system and, and they're selling games on it. So good for them. Generally speaking, I don't really have any, you know, strong dislike for any system because yeah. when it comes down to it, the system's not that important. It's the it's the people, right? The people, you're gaming it, exactly. With and the story yeah. that matters. Yeah, it's it's about getting I mean, together. Whether, whether you're tossing a coin, putting a card, or throwing a dice, doesn't really matter that yeah, much. Yeah, let me addend to that. I I probably wouldn't have any problem playing as it as a player. As a GM, mm. it's a lot for me to keep up with. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah true. I'll change that's true. I'll change yeah. my editorial on that. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm just looking at this Dishonored thing because um, uh, I don't know much about it. But basically, they're releasing it as a digest-sized hardcover book. So digest is, is smaller but thicker? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Here we go. A deluxe, table-friendly, hardcover digest book containing everything players will need to jump straight into the streets of Dunwall. 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 Okay. Dunwall. Uh, along with the book's release, there will be custom dice, cards, and other accessories to add to the experience. All righty then. Uh, yeah. Well, if you if you know what Dishonored is, there you go. If you don't know what Dishonored is, like me, then... Um... Yeah. Well, I, yeah, <laughs> all I know about it is it is, a, it is a video game franchise that does have a, a strong following. I've just, I've just looked up the video game. Stories of occult lore, intrigue, and drama. There you go. There we go. That's what that is. Uh, right. Where was I? Where was I? Where was I? So that's that's Medi- I think that's all of Modifius done for the moment. Just for, well, Hopefully. wait, give it about <laughs> five minutes and check the news stream again. <laughs> yeah, they'll they'll release they'll yeah. release another announce another two licenses yeah. by the time this podcast yeah. is over. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I uh, I uh, oh look at this DC Comics. I did see this, and I got excited. I've forgotten about this until I just saw it. I, I got excited until I got into the story, but go ahead. I'll, I'll let you do the thunder. So they are publishing a D&D 5th edition source book for their comic series, The Last God. Mm-hmm. I don't know what The Last God is, but uh, this is kind of like the Wendy's thing uh-huh. and the Old Spice thing and all these companies that are, you know. Right. Jumping on board D and D's popularity to right. to try and absolutely up their brands. Yeah, the Last God is basically just a fantasy comic book series, uh, so it makes sense. It actually makes 
you know, although I love the Wendy's thing and I, yeah. and I still plan to play at Wendy's so that I can get bonuses based on the fact that I'm playing at Wendy's. Mm. Uh, it makes more sense, you know, with, with this tie in, because they're basically saying we have a fantasy comic book series. So here's a source book or a supplement yeah. or whatever for it. But, it, you know, it, it kind of makes sense um, more for, for DC Comics. Now, I'll tell you, when I first saw the headline about DC Comics getting in role-playing games, I was like, yes, because I used to love the DC Universe role-playing game. Yeah. And so I, I, at first I thought it was going to be it that. Was just the, but, it was like the Justice League. Yeah, stuff. exactly. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, fair enough. It, it'll be interesting to see. And I haven't even gone in like, is this going to be PDF only? Is it going to be, you know... So it's a... It's 40 pages. Uh-huh. It'll be published in April. There goes Hudson. Doesn't say whether it's going to be PDF or not. I think it'll be fine if they released it in comic book format. That would least. be super cool. Uh, yeah. What would be super cool is if if they released it as a special issue for, you know, the comic yeah. book series. That I would buy that. Just, yeah, that would be really neat. Um, so, yeah, why not? You know, 5e is proving... I mean, they're just putting everything out in 5e. It's almost, yeah. you know, and and 5e is is proving to be more adaptable than I would have assumed. Uh, you know, mm. your your guest last week is basically doing a Cthulhu, Call of Cthulhu style game in mm. 5e. And, and one of the things that really impressed me, it never even occurred to me to do this, but he kept long, long rest and short rest, but he just changed the duration. Like a short rest yes. is a night, yeah, yeah. but a long rest is a week, and I'm like, that's that's very adaptable, you know. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, this all really does remind me of the D20 mm-hmm. back in the it early does. 2000s. It's exactly the same thing. We, you know, we've been through all this, and I'm just hoping there isn't the same bust yeah. that came after that boom. Uh, how can you not eventually? I don't know if we'll have a bust, but it's hard to sustain this kind of thing indefinitely, but I, I, th- I think mm. the wave is still pretty strong. I don't, I don't. Oh yeah. It's yeah. still, it's still going up. Yeah. It's still going up, but it's going to, it's going to hit a peak at some point. It's got to. Absolutely. But yeah, I like nothing, the, nothing lasts forever. Nothing lasts That's forever. One of the rules of the universe. That, that, that is true. So, yeah. and the other rules of the universe, uh, you were about to quote Battlestar Galactica. This has all happened before. <laughs> this will all happen again. Happen again. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That. Yes, sir. Exactly. That. <laughs> Hey, Kobold Press have announced their latest Kickstarter. Ah. Tomb of Beasts 2. Sweet. Featuring 400 new monsters for 5th edition. 400? If you think about it, it's really hard to come up with 400 monsters that are unique and different enough from what's already there to to justify putting in a book. I'm and not they saying they can't do it. I'm, I'm saying it's that's not the first time they've done that either. Yeah. They did Tome of Beasts one, and yeah. they did a, they did they did another one. What was the other one? There was another monster book. Ah, oh, I can't remember what it's called now. I don't know. They did. They definitely. They didn't. They've done two monster books. Yeah. They did Tome of Beasts, and they did another one. Right. And now, so this is their third monster book. So they've done this twice before. Creature Codex or something like that. I think. It yeah, was that sounds familiar. And you know, and I'm not. I'm not saying this from the angle of like I don't think they can do it. I'm just saying that that takes a tremendous amount of imagination to continue mm. to come up with with monsters, you know, that aren't just a a, a, a minor reskin, yeah. or you know, like that are that are really compelling and interesting, you know. Well, they've got some they've got some examples here. Then tell me tell me if, the, if these are these are compelling, okay, and interesting to you. So we've got angelic enforcers. That sounds cool. Sasquatch. 
I'm surprised that's not there anyway. That's maybe it's not in for Kobolds. Is it, what, what system is this for? Fifth edition. Fifth edition? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, come to think of it, I can't remember actually having seen a Sasquatch or Yeti. It seems like the sort of thing that would... Oh, well, maybe yeah. not. Okay. Shriek Bats. Shriek Bats. Shriek Bats. I like that. That's cool. Psychic Vampires. That I'm pretty sure I've heard of or... I don't know. What are they? They're just vampires that do psychic damage. Maybe I don't know. I guess I don't yeah. know. Uh, zombie dragons, not 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 lich dragon, but zombie dragon. Not a dracolich. Yeah, no, a okay. zombie dragon. Sure. All right. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, it launched a couple of days ago. It's already got nearly two and a half thousand backers. It's uh, yeah. It's well and truly funded in an hour. Yeah. And it's got nearly $170,000 has been pledged so far. Good for them. Cobalt Press is one of those steady, trustworthy, dependable, uh, you know, publishers. And they, you know, they do a lot of OSR, but that's mm. not that's not all they do. And there's a little bit of news here about the D&D movie. Ooh, I'm interested. So, uh, Jonathan Goldstein, or Goldstein, and John Francis Daly... Uh, tweeted the title page of the script. Ooh. And uh, this, this, these guys, uh, they wrote the screenplay for Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh-huh. And they did a, a film called Game Night. I've not heard of that. And a reboot of Vacation based on a Chevy Chase film series. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is either. Oh, you've never uh, seen Vacation? Uh, no. Okay. No. That's, they're very good. They're very good. Uh, but they've taken over from, because uh, I think it was last summer, uh, it was Lego Batman director. Uh, it was Chris McKay, the Lego Batman director. He departed the project. So these are these are the people that, uh, that are taking his place. Ah, okay. Uh, well, you know, I honestly, I'd rather get news on, and I'm not, I just say Joe M., I, you know, I just can't say the last Manganella because uh, he's supposedly working on a Dragonlance movie. But yeah, I don't know what's going on. With yeah, that, I'm, so. I'm curious to see what will happen with the the D&D movie, because I, the last I heard of anything substantial is they were trying to basically make it like Guardians of the Galaxy. So it had yes. like a lot of action, but it had a lot of sort comedy, of yeah. Yeah, comedy yeah. interplay. So I don't know. I, you know, my thing on the movies is I'm rooting for them. I want them to be good. Uh, you know, that what we've had so far has been a, a variable quality. Uh, mm. And I, I like them because I'm a and d nerd, but they're not good movies. Right. Mm. So I can't watch them. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the Book of Isle Darkness is actually pretty good. Oh. That's the best one of the of the mm. bunch. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wish people could see your facial expressions. You really don't like them. Let me tell you, and boy, I'm tan. Here's one of the main problems. The, the first one has many problems. Okay, don't get me wrong. But one of the main problems is, like, the dragon is supposed to be the ultimate, you know, dragon. They kill one mm. in the first five minutes. So you're like, well, you killed a dragon, so they might, they can't be that. Where, where, where do you go from yeah, there? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. Hmm. Hey, you know, I don't know if you've heard of this little company called Kickstarter. Hmm. I think I may. That that sounds vaguely familiar. Vaguely familiar, yeah. So um, it looks like the tabletop games category is 
uh, like it did last year, has pretty much dominated Kickstarter again. Really, the entire comp, the entire range of Kickstarters from the is massive. Wow. So okay. The, the games category in general, not the tabletop games category, uh, it, it made two hundred nineteen million dollars last year. But of that, one hundred seventy six million of that was tabletop games. I thought you were going to say 106 million of that was Monty Cook games, but tab- <laughs> tabletop. Was one Monty Cook yeah. game. <laughs> All right, so tabletop. That's super encouraging. Mm. You know uh, that, but that kind of thing, man. I, I hate to be kind of the looking for the the non silver lining. That kind of thing is what will eventually lead to a a bust or a lessening because it gets to the point nobody can keep up with everything that's out yeah. there i mean the know? video game um right. category leveled off in 2016 and pretty much hasn't been increasing since then right still doing it's still doing well but right. uh, uh it's, it's doing something like uh, 16 17 million that's year. that's stupendous and i'm glad yeah. you know i mean and it, it also gives lie you know uh, everyone's like, oh, everything's video games and the internet now. No, people mm. still like to connect. You know, they can have the yeah. internet and tabletop games. It's not an either or proposition. But, but compare, but but compare the video games to the tabletop games. The tabletop games is massive, massive, massive. massive. I wonder. I would love to know. I would love to to pull the the slice of pie out of that that's tabletop RPGs, I'd imagine it's fairly small compared to the overall guess, tabletop yeah, games. Yeah, because yeah. as much as we love RPGs, we, we often lose sight of the fact that it's really not that huge of an industry. I think, that, yeah, another distinct, distinction to pull from that, though, is, of course, that a lot of, a lot of, a high, a high percentage of RPGs go through Kickstarter, mm-hmm. whereas only a tiny percentage of video games do. Right. Like the next Grand Theft Auto game is not going through Kickstarter, right? Or you know, any any AAA game is not going through right. Kickstarter. That's that's funded more like a Hollywood movie. I mean, yeah, there's a whole yeah. process there. Yeah. I mean, just one, just one AAA video, like one Grand Theft Auto, is bigger than the entire you know tabletop game. Absolutely, industry. yeah. So, no, that's true. Yeah, but yeah, it's still it's still great news though. It's uh, it's great that you know tabletop games are still. Yeah, really I'm, popular, I'm super excited. You know, uh, the cynic in me is like, well, eventually, but I mean, keep it coming. Keep it mm. coming, right? So. Right, I think we might be nearly done with the news. I, I wanted to quickly slip in a bit of my own news because I announced my new novel. Yes, sir. Uh, the other day. I mean, I've been talking about it online for a bit, but I probably sort of announced it and put the web page up the other day. Oh, did you get uh, so that? Because I, I know you were just asking. just wanted to slip that one in. Well, I know you were asking for advice on on how to put up a page to promote a novel. Yeah. So, did you did you get that figured out? Yeah. Well, I was trying to decide what format I want because I, I I decided to go with you know there's like one page single scroller pages. Yes. Yeah, I've I've gone with one of those. I think that's can, a good. Yeah. Yeah. Just, it's simple. It's yeah. Simple. It's give people a, information in a sign up form and off you yeah, go. That's yeah. Basically, yeah, yeah. And and Bob's your uncle is nobody actually says. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure somebody says it. You just said it, so there you go. So, 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 tell me, Russ, yes. what what is your novel called, and what is it about? It is called the Cauldron. The Cauldron. The Cauldron, and the Cauldron is the name of a galaxy. Ooh, and, and it's a galaxy seething with turmoil. It's uh, it's got lots of uh, houses uh, which are vying for power. Uh, and there's lots of uh, old alliances and ancient grudges all resurfacing and stuff like that. 
Um, and uh, uh, that's all overlaid on top of a... There's a singularity at the centre of the galaxy, a black hole, and that's a black hole called the burn. And there's something... There's something... There's something wrong with that. There's something evil about oh. that. I won't, I won't spoil it. There's something... Not just dangerous, but actually morally malevolent evil. And wow. evil okay. and conscious, wow. yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, I, I'd kind of describe it as kind of Game of Thrones meets Star Wars-ish. Nice. So, so it's uh, a lot the, of politics, but and also a lot of shooty shooty pew pew too. Okay, so speaking of, does 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 Han shoot first? <laughs> of course he does. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let me kit. Would would you mind if I allowed listeners to to hear just a bit of the of the the dialogue in the in the novel? Okay. How about this then? Straight. So from this your- is. So, so this is a scene where a gangster called Din Skara is talking yeah. to one of his henchmen. Yes. And a, a boxer has uh, upon who... Uh, you know in Pulp Fiction where Bruce Willis does a runner? Yeah. Because he uh, he didn't throw the fight like it was supposed right. to. Right. So it's a bit like that. So uh, uh, this gangster has lost two million jots because of this. And that's no tittle. A jot it's, is a jot. Uh, baby. Yeah, yeah, jot's a lot of money. So uh, he's talking. He's talking um, to uh, Gromov. He's uh, he's a besuited henchman. Yes, and he says to him, "You're telling me that Jane Jackhammer Devries, the woman who cost me two million jots, the unofficial heavyweight champion of the cauldron, who took down the Monacee Bruiser in three rounds to a galactic audience of billions, has simply disappeared." Uh- Yes, sir. That that is what I'm trying to know. That's actually th- Morris's dialogue is in the book. My response is not. I love Eric Noah on Facebook is like, no, I'm saying we're out of milk, and you should buy some next time you're out. <laughs> so, also on your Facebook, I love this. And, and folks, the the novel is the Cauldron. Uh, where, where is the website up so people can sign up for uh, news on the on the book? Uh, edworld.org forward slash cauldron cauldron I've, I've got a couple of news items here i don't know if we yeah. have any time to okay so these actually all came from uh you you know uh folks uh morris's unofficial tabletop rpg news has a discord uh, yes and and in that discord recently in the podcast channel uh guybrush posted some stuff that I thought was newsworthy. Mm-hmm. One of them was, uh, and I guess he's a moderator on this site, but Matt Colville, you know, I think who still has the record for the largest RPG Kickstarter, uh, not including an animated series that raised $11 million, but he raised yeah. like over a million. Uh, 2.3. 2.3. Yeah, 2.3. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is one of his uh, brainchilds. And I guess this is more of a recommendation than a news item, but there's a site called adventurelookup.com. I'll make sure to send Daryl the link. And it it's a database of D&D adventures over multiple editions. So you can search based on different aspects, such as setting monster magic items and et cetera. And it currently has over 2,300 entries and users can add more. Uh, and there are moderators of which Grybush is one. So I've got this pulled up and... It's, yeah, it's got search, it's got filters, it's got publishers. So if you're like, you know, I want an adventure that has an adherer in it, a sticky mummy, <laughs> then you can search for an adherer. And the other thing is, uh, Guybrush also posted these, uh, and I'll make sure to get these links to Daryl. But, you know, 
we all know that, and I'm not being dismissive here, I'm being serious, like almost like all of Australia is on fire or or recently was. I know they've had some rain that has helped. Uh, and there's, and I, I think on last week's show, you guys had a, uh, I think it was a humble bundle or, or mm-hmm. recently you talked, well, these are actually on the Dungeon Masters Guild and there are three different bundles that all proceeds are going to help. Uh, and, and there are, there's one, it's a community creator bundle mm-hmm. and then there's an adventures league bundle. Mm-hmm. And then there's, there's a wizards of the coast bundle. Uh, the community creators bundle has $130 worth of stuff. You can get it for 10 bucks. The adventures league bundle has $160 worth of stuff and you can get it for 10 bucks. And the Watsy bundle has uh, like $50 worth of stuff that you can get for 10 bucks. Awesome. And all three of these, all proceeds will go to the Australia Bushfire Relief Fund. So I'll make sure that Daryl has those. That's uh, just awful over there. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's hard. It boggles your mind to think of how big the that fire situation mm. is, you know. Although talking of that, I, I have a correction because loads of people emailed me. Yeah. About this, yeah. Because Peter um, said it was either last week or the, whenever it was we were talking about it. He said that uh, koalas had gone extinct in the wild, and mm. a whole bunch of people from Australia emailed me. So we actually have listeners in Australia, which is awesome. But fantastic. <laughs> they emailed me. Uh, I'm not going to do a bad Australian accent. I'll just say hello. <laughs> they emailed me to tell me this is not the case. Do not yeah. worry. Koalas have not gone extinct in the wild. Um, they're not. They're not happy. They're not, you know, they're not right. having a good time of it, but they have not gone extinct in the world. Well, that's good, honestly, because, I mean, I love a koala. Who doesn't love a koala, right? Mm. I mean, they're just, they're great. I, but, I got deluged with emails for that. I got about, really? it's like 12, 13 emails. <laughs> well, like they said, you know, if, if you want, if you want something proof checked, you know, put yeah. it on the internet and put people will be internet, glad yeah. to tell you. I'm getting a little bored of running generic space fantasy. I want to run something a little bit off the beaten path. Here we go again. Uh, something slightly more unusual, exotic, uh, maybe even a tiny bit niche. Man, you do this every year like clockwork, you know. It, it's it's like your GM mid-year life crisis. No, no, I'm, I mean it. I mean, I'm thinking something, you know, something a bit special with a with a hint of the offbeat, maybe a touch out of the ordinary. Yeah, we get it. So what's your idea this time? Well, I was thinking of being, uh, you know, a little daring, perhaps, perhaps outlandish, pushing the frontiers of role-playing. I can, I can see where this is going. I was thinking, get this, Star Wars crossed with Scooby-Doo, but with dinosaur cowboys. <sighs> so we're in gonzo mode this year, right? No good? How about Ghostbusters? Crossed with Escape from Alcatraz, but with robot ninjas. You know, just throwing disparate concepts together and then adding something totally wacky doesn't make it good. Okay, okay. How about this? Wild West, crossed with E.T., but with vampires. Mm, I, I think I preferred last year when you were determined to play something Grim and gritty. Yeah, that didn't really work out very well, though, did it? No, it was so grim and gritty, we spent the entire campaign hiding in a broom closet. It's not my fault if you're not prepared to take risks. Take risks? Every time anybody opened the door, you had us roll a a D100, and on a roll of 99 or less, we went insane. (laughs) Yeah, 
good times. Anyway, back to this new campaign. What do you think of Roadrunner crossed with Reservoir Dogs, but with Laser Sharks? What do I think? I think if you're lost your mind is what I think. Fine. Fine. I've done it back a bit. How about uh, Dracula crossed with Robin Hood, but with Gandalf? What? Well, it doesn't have to be Gandalf. We could uh, we could easily use Obi Wan Kenobi or or Mister Miyagi. Dude, you need help. Oh, that gives me an idea. Karate Kid crossed with Flash Gordon, but with teddy bears. Uh, you you just described Star Wars. Okay, okay. Star Wars crossed with Top Gear, but with invisible super spies. How how would we even see each other? Uh, special glasses. This this conversation is ludicrous. <laughs> Why do you insist on smooshing together unrelated concepts in the hopes it will create something that's not absurd? You just have to think out of the box. Blue sky thinking. Push the envelope, so to speak. You're not pushing the envelope. You're you're certifiably insane. Can't you just free your mind from the insidious confines of the corporate role-playing horizons? What What does that even mean? Look, right, here's my last pitch. If you don't like this, we'll just go back to Burrows and Bear Owls. Okay. So, I'm thinking... Yes? A Game of Thrones... Yes? Crossed with... Yes? The Wombles... Oh, oh no. But with... Go on. Batman. Right, that's it. I'm putting my foot down. We're playing my new homebrew of prawns and phasers, and that's final. Right, shall we do our topic of the week? Yes. On the, on the main topic of the week, I have, as we discussed, I have purposefully, I'm going in fresh. I know okay. nothing. I remember the poll, but I have no idea of the outcome. Okay, so what, so what this is, is 2020's most anticipated tabletop RPGs. Of which Prawns and Phasers is, is not is, one. Is, it's not well, maybe one. it is. We'll okay. find out when I count down the top ten. <laughs> so I took nominations like I do each year uh, for the most anticipated tabletop RPGs for the coming year. And I opened the floor to voting. And we've got uh, thousands and thousands of votes that we do every year. And this is this is this year's winner. So previous winners. Uh, so in 2013, we had 13th Age. 2014, I didn't do it, but that would have been D&D 5th Edition. Had I okay. done it. Okay. 2015, Star Wars Force and Destiny. 2016 was Rifts for Savage Worlds. 2017 was the Trudvang Chronicles. Uh, 2018, Vampire the Masquerade 5th Edition. And then last year, 2019, Savage Worlds Adventure Edition. Okay, so... um, And in order to be part of this poll, it had to be a forthcoming RPG as of the time of the poll. Yes, it had so to be a standalone RPG, so it couldn't be an adventure, yeah. it couldn't be a supplement, a campaign setting, anything like that. It had to be a, an actual RPG. Okay, I love it. Yeah, that's basically it, really. I love uh, this had, kind uh, of stuff. It had to be nominated by someone other than someone involved with the actual right. thing, and uh, yeah, and then a whole bunch of people voted, and this is the top ten as they voted. Nice. So, okay, so it's the top ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2020. Mm-hmm. Most anticipated tabletop RPGs. Yeah. Okay. All right, then. 
Number 10. Coming in at number 10. And you haven't seen these at all. Is that is that correct? Uh, I saw the poll. And I have the page pulled up, but I'm going to scroll scroll through it as we go. Okay. So, so Number 10 is Cortex Prime. Cortex Prime. Mm. I am not familiar with Cortex Prime. So this is by Cam Banks. Uh, it's being produced by Fandom Tabletop. And Fandom is that company that does all those uh, wikis and fan wikis of Game of Thrones and Star oh, okay. Trek, all that stuff. So, so they're, they're moving okay. into the RPG industry. Interesting. Because um, when I, I, I scrolled it down when you announced number 10. And when I saw Fandom Tabletop, I misinterpreted that. Is It was literally just a... Like a fan game out there somewhere. So they, so fan, so they used yeah. to be called Wikia. You're right. Wikia, W-I-K-I-A, something like that. Okay. And then they changed their names to Fandom. Uh, and this is a spin-off called Fandom Tabletop, which is, hand, is handling tabletop games. So Cortex Cortex is an old game. It predates that. Um, it goes back to uh, before, uh, before the century, like 1999, I think. Yeah, so the Sovereign Stone system in 1999, the Serenity RPG in 2005. Where and yeah, this is where it gets its name for Cortex Prime. Yeah, so, and these okay. are these were those were produced by uh, Margaret Weiss Productions. I remember that because I actually had several of the Sovereign Stone source books. They mm. were they were D20 compatible. Yeah, and uh, they had a I, they had a really cool magic system and some cool classes you could use with D and D third edition. So. Well, they also uh, used uh, Cortex uh, Cortex Plus, which is what it was called back then. There was mm-hmm. Cortex, then there was Cortex Plus. And Cortex Plus was used for um, Leverage, Smallville, Firefly, and Marvel Heroic Role. It's a whole bunch of, you know, pretty popular licensed properties. Well, I think that, that, that Hudson, that's the most active Hudson's been. He was back there shaking his groove thing. And... Uh, so he, he likes one of those games that was there in that mix. Well, good. Okay, so that's the most anticipated. Cortex Prime is the newest version of what was called uh, Cortex Plus for a while, and it came out of the Sovereign Stone system. Yeah, so, from fan, so Fandom Tabletop bought it, basically. They, okay. bought, they bought the Cortex, the rights to Cortex, lock, stock, and, you know, two smoking barrels. Right. Bought, bought the whole lot. Uh, brought in Cam Banks, who was the, one of the original architects of uh, a lot of the games, um upon which Cortex was based. Sure. Uh, and he is uh, updating it, uh, redesigning it, um, and bringing out Cortex Prime this year. Uh, and, you know, it's a, it's a universal system. It's a sort of generic system, and it can sure. do an awful lot of different stuff. But it's kind of geared towards TV shows and comic mm-hmm. books and movies and, you know, that sort of... Uh, maybe you know, maybe cinematic. Maybe cinematic. Say cinematic yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, do we know when in 2020 we're supposed to have this in our greedy little hands? Let me see if I can look it up. Well, it was kickstarted, I believe. Uh, yeah, it was kickstarted originally a couple of years ago, I think. Yeah, for to the tune of almost eighty five thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that I think was before Fandom Tabletop bought it. Uh huh. Um, I think they did that following the Kickstarter. It doesn't say specifically when. It's coming out. Right. Peter always does that to me. He goes and asks me a question that I don't know the answer to. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking myself. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. So, a bit of a podcast. Well, it looks going, like that they delivered They delivered a... In 2019, they delivered a uh, a PDF that was almost the final version. So, mm-hmm. 
that's a good indication that so it's coming meter, soon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Okay. Next one. Number nine. Yes. Uh, here we go. It is Fading Suns Fourth Edition. Da da da. Ulysses so, Spiel. Yeah, they are uh, Ulysses Spiel. Uh, I'm saying that wrong. That that's that really large European game company. So right? They're a German game are they? company, but they have yeah. a, a American branch, which is Ulysses North America, I believe it's called. Okay. Um, so you know they're big on they're big on both continents. Okay. Um, uh, they they actually had uh, Warhammer 40k and then somehow lost it and now um, Cubicle Seven have it. Interesting. And I still don't know what exactly went down there. That well, that was like that was one of those very abrupt things, yeah. right? Just like the uh, Middle Earth license changing was a very abrupt thing. Yeah. So yeah. okay. So I, I don't yep. know what they done there, but anyway, Fading Suns. Um, this is kind of like um, nobles, priests, aliens, knights, starships, psychics, lost worlds, ancient artifacts. Um, it's a it's a sci-fi game uh, set far, far, far in the future, um, towards the end of the universe when the suns themselves are starting to die out. And this is fourth edition. Yes, uh, yeah, it's been know, around reading, a long time. Reading the description, dawn of the sixth millennium, the skies are darkening. Humans reached the stars long ago, building a republic of high technology and universal emancipation, then squandered it. Now feudal lords rule the known worlds, vying for power of fanatic priests and scheming guilds. Mm. I mean, I get kind of a Warhammer vibe from this. You know, yeah, not yeah, a yeah. not a direct Warhammer vibe, but that kind of super far future with religion and you know, uh, technology mixing and, you know, mm. that kind of thing. So it looks interesting. So it's in the fourth edition. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, very good. That's number nine. Ooh, number eight. We've got a licensed property and we'll find that this is a theme that always um, comes up a lot in these charts. Licensed right. properties dominate them. Right. Uh, licensed properties and new editions always dominate them. But number eight for 2020, the Stargate role-playing game. I think this has some serious potential. Uh, you know, I don't know <clears throat> what rules. I don't know what kind of mechanics. Fifth edition. The, oh, it's on fifth edition. Mm-hmm. This sh- this has a lot of potential uh, yeah. because that start just like with the TV series. That Stargate is a is a plot. You know, is a narrative plot. You can do anything you want. You, you can just send go anywhere, anywhere you want. want. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, it's very easy to understand. You've got a spec ops group that mm-hmm. has an alien or two on it and they're exploring uh it's almost like a way teams but with modern technology yeah, right yeah yeah so and a little bit of alien technology mixed in i mm. i i'm i'm intrigued by this but yeah this looks fun i'm i'm into this stargate role-playing game okay shall we move on to number seven yes sir number seven and honest of ten uh number seven coming from chaosium rivers of london Ooh, if I did, did I not hear Peter a few episodes ago describing Rivers of London? I believe maybe, maybe. I yeah, don't know. maybe. I'm not familiar with the. Um, I, I'm not familiar with the setting, but I, I haven't read the book. So, Chaos yeah. Hume announced it at Dragon Meet in okay. December, right at the beginning of December last year. Uh, and these are a series of books by Ben Aronovich, uh, a series of novels, urban fantasy friction. Uh, friction? Fiction. Friction. But I'm sure there's also some friction. Yes. Well, hopefully there's some friction <laughs> yeah. in the adventures. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so it's a, it's, a, it's going to be the Rivers of London role-playing game based on his best-selling books. Um, it's using elements of uh, Chaosium's basic role-playing system, uh, D100 system. Well, six to say, so is that basically a D100 system mm-hmm. like contrived from uh, or derived from Call of Cthulhu? Yeah, yeah, basically. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's a, uh, it uses uh, original customized rules also to reflect the uh, the series' inventive take on the fantastic from Newtonian magic whatever that is, to the strange powers wielded by the rivers and other supernatural beings that inhabit the popular novels and comics. So I'm getting, and I don't, this is just me shooting from the hip. Like Neil, Neil Gaiman is very good at creating sort of intriguing urban fantasy settings. Mm. Uh, I wonder if, if rivers of London has that kind of vibe to it. Now I have no clue what a Newtonian magic system is. I'm assuming it has something to do with Isaac Newton, but, or Newton, I, I have no idea. I mean, gravity magic? I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, gravity and apples. Um, mm. Yeah, it sounds intriguing. Uh, this is definitely the kind of game that I would seek out for a one-shot at a convention, um, you know, to kind of check it out. So, And, you know, the Peter, I remember, was was quite taken with the uh, novels, if I remember right. correctly. Right. So, yeah. Oh, very cool. Number okay. seven. Number six. Number six, the last, the last one in the top half of our top ten. That made sense, didn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Number six, coming from Pelgrane Press, we have Kevin Culp's Swords of the Serpentine. From yeah. Pelgrane Press. Yeah, we had. So does Kevin that mean all of the swords are that kind of curvy? Yeah, that, that's exactly you know? what it means. Yeah. yeah, those kind of curvy, curvy blades. So we had, we had Kevin on the podcast late last year and we did do a special one-off one-hour demo of the uh, of the adventure of the game sorry so if, if people want to sort of rewind back to our, our podcast list they can find that there but this is basically sword and sorcery is this that huge city that is like level upon level upon no, level no, okay uh, you're no. thinking the spire i think something like that yeah that's probably yeah. what i'm thinking of yeah uh yeah so this is, this is the, the uh the gumshoe system as much of much of uh, Pelgrane Press stuff does, right? Uh, uh, so it has a kind of investigative bent to it because the Gumshoe system is like an investigative role playing game system, right? And uh, uh, they used this to make uh, Time Watch a couple of years ago, uh, and uh, this time they're using it to create a sword and sorcery, and they say daring heroism, sly politics, and bloody savagery. Set in a fantasy city rife with skullduggery and skullduggery. Skullduggery. Hey, if it's got skullduggery in it, I'm I'm in. Yeah, it says that it's a fantasy RPG focused on high action role playing and investigation, inspired by uh, Fritz Lieber. Of course, that's uh, Fawford and the Grey Mouser, mm-hmm. among other things. Terry Pratchett, Robert E. Howard, which is of course Conan, and, and other things. Ah, yeah, this looks fun. So uh, I've never played the Gumshoe system but i hear about it a lot i've only Mm. played it in time watch and swords of the serpentine and both of those are adapted gumshoe systems so i haven't played like the original pure gumshoe system for the for the reason it was invented but the 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 systems seem to work perfectly for those two games i'm trying to remember you and peter did an actual play and there was one where you were like you were like on a boat in the river that and the there was one. something yeah, obstructing was the way. Okay. Yeah. yeah I remember it. that. Okay. Yeah. 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 You were gangsters. 
basically. Yeah, yeah, like sort the, of, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you were in the you were in the uh, underworld. Yeah, What's okay. funny about the gumshoe system? Um, the time watch adaption of it uh, had a ability score called preparedness or something like that, and you could use that because it's a time travel game. You could use that preparedness score to have done things that you will then go and later do. I remember. I remember that being discussed. That's such a great. Mechanic, so it's like the whole Bill and Ted thing, isn't it? You, right. You, I'll, I'll yeah. remember to put the key under the mantelpiece, and you yeah, know. yeah, yeah. That was yeah. That sequence in the first Bill and Ted basically turned them into deities. I mean, mm. they could do whatever they wanted. You yeah. Know? Well, what if we remember too? And there's like a bucket falling on a guy's yeah. head and stuff like that. Right. Number five. Oh well, look at this. Our Ironically fifth enough, yeah. most anticipated RPG of 2020 from Cubicle Seven is Warhammer Age of Sigmar. Dun, dun, dun. Previously, that previously, so at the top of our bottom, well, at the top of our top five. Yes. Or the bottom of our top 12. At the top of the bottom half. Top five. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I don't either. Number five, anyway. It's number five. Yeah. Uh, I have a secret for everybody listening. No podcaster actually knows what they're talking about. So we just babble. Uh, we just open, so, yeah, we just we'll, open our mouths and move them. And yeah, this and air moves across our vocal cords. And we just hope that that forms some kind of words in an order that makes some sort of sense. People don't know how much work Daryl has to put into editing this stuff. He has to find words and just string them together. So we were just talking earlier with the dark, was it Fading Suns? Mm-hmm. We had talked about that Warhammer license had gone to Cubicle 7. Mm-hmm. So, uh, F- Warhammer Age of Sigmar. Uh, I wonder what, do you know what game system it's based on? Uh, does uh, Cubicle 7 sort of have its own house system? or? No, I think this is its own system, I think. I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, you will be taking, so this is Warhammer. Not Warhammer 40k. This is Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Okay, which that's you know, or a spin-off of, right? I think so. You're you're not in the far future. No, it's fantasy. That. It's fantasy. It's fantasy. Or is it not? I which, don't know. Looking at that picture, uh, yeah. Let me call it up. Let me call it up. I, I'm guessing that it's Warhammer Fantasy because they're usually pretty careful to say 40k. Mm. Well, it's called Age of Sigma Soulbound. Alrighty then. And, the, uh, the Age of Death, the realm. I'm assuming it's fantasy because it's talking about the realms, the Age of Death. Hello, your editor Daryl here. I might be able to clear up some of this confusion. There are currently three Warhammer-related role-playing games on the market, all from Cubicle 7. Or at least there will be when Age of Sigmar comes out. Warhammer 40k Wrath and Glory is based on Warhammer 40k, the science fiction fantasy miniature war game. Warhammer, no 40k, this is the fantasy version, has two role-playing games based on it. One is based on the classic 1980s Warhammer fantasy role-play, with a new addition to those rules, but in the classic Warhammer setting. The Warhammer miniature rules had a big, like, world-shattering cataclysmic event that ended up creating Warhammer Age of Sigmar. The upcoming Warhammer Age of Sigmar Soulbound is set in that world. So, Wrath and Glory is 40k, Wifrip is classic Warhammer, and Age of Sigmar Soulbound is new Warhammer. Well, number four. Yes. Number four, and this list would not be a list without Modifius in it, and here is Modifius. Yes, sir. With Fallout. Fallout! This has been screaming for 
an RPG for de- you know two decades. Mm. You know, it, it, the Fallout, the original Fallout RPG one and two before they went to first person shooter, uh, blended with RPG, felt like playing a tabletop role playing game, mm. and and because they designed it, you know. There, there's all this lore you can go into about, well, it was going to be GURPS, and then they developed their own tabletop RPG game, and da, da, da. but it felt a lot like playing a role-playing game. And, you know, the the setting is great. The lore, you know, it's post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. with some tongue-in-cheek. Has a dog uh, on the picture, which sells it yeah, for me. Yeah, that's uh, dog meat. Every, every, every German shepherd in Fallout is named dog meat. Hmm. That's just how it is. So, in, in a lot of the games, you have a dog companion named dog meat. Hmm. So... Uh, you know, there's so much between the potential ways to build your character to the established lore to the established monsters and in it. I mean, it's a no brainer. Mm. Uh, and it looks like they just took and adapted, uh, their D, their 2D20 system, um, to, to run on it. So, so it's so. interesting. They're doing two things with this. Yeah. So they've got, um, the tabletop miniatures game called Fallout Wasteland Warfare. Right. So they're making two. RPGs. Huh. So the first one expands on, well, they say expands on the narrative war game experience of Fallout Wasteland Warfare. Okay. While a second, more traditional tabletop RPG will follow the company's 2D20 system. Huh. Well, that's interesting. So they're, they're enriching their tabletop miniatures, which again, Fallout is a game that, that, or a, a, an IP that begs for a, a tactics war gaming. Mm. So, and then they're doing an RP, RPG gaming expansion out of that. I, I think this will be a success. You know, it's, I think, again, I it's think most brainer. of what Modifius does turns yeah. out to be a success. Well, they're going to put it out, and then they're going to acquire it from themselves. And yeah. then they'll acquire it from I themselves am, I am again. sure Modifius is, you know, as big as, uh, as, big as Pizer yeah. now. I would say bigger yeah, at this point. They've, they're growing. At least they don't, have, they don't have a single game that's as popular as Pathfinder. But so much together, But they've yeah. got so much stuff that, you know, put it all together. Right? I mean, they've got more people than uh, Paizo now. I know that. Right. I, I would imagine they're they're bigger as far as total. I mean, they're definitely way ahead as far as amount of properties. I, I can't... I would imagine they're bigger yeah. at this point, but... Yeah, well, they're also... Um, to add to their collection, and they're also going to be distributing Just Dread for me as well. We've had we've had a little bit of trouble getting into the US hobby store trade with it, and we couldn't get. Uh-huh. We're having trouble. Wait a minute, getting... is this is this an announcement? Is this a reveal? Or have uh, you already talked no, about this? I think I've already mentioned it before. Okay, yeah, it's the first I can remember. Uh, so Mo- uh, you're working with Modifius. Yeah. So the, 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 we we were having real trouble with uh, getting. It, uh, we just couldn't get distributors to talk to us or to respond to us or anything like that. It was really frustrating. But over here, it is frustrating. we're fine. You know, we, we Asmodi was talking to us, and the guy at Asmodi who um, handles all the sort of UK and European stuff was a big fan of Judge Dread right. anyway. So it was an easy in, and you know that's great. Fine, not a problem. Also, right. over this side of the Atlantic, over there, we were really struggling to get. That's interesting. You know, to get anyone to you know even answer our emails, let alone do anything else. Um, so in wow. the end, I, I mentioned this to Chris Birch at um, Dragon Me uh, back in December, beginning of December, and because uh, he came over and asked how it was all going and stuff, and I said, you know, over here, over in the UK, brilliant. You know, Europe, brilliant. US, which you know, you know, we are selling stuff in the US, but we're, we're having to send it directly. Mm-hmm. 
um, you know, from our warehouse in Nottingham all the way across the Atlantic, and you know, US um, customers are having to pay shipping prices on that, which is mm-hmm. too much. And uh, he just said, you know, do you want some help with that? And I was, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, wouldn't so, mind. So basically, we're going to be piggybacking on uh, on their US shipments and their US distribution um, contacts and stuff like that. Nice. And uh, yeah, you should be seeing it um, appearing in US hobby stores very soon. So, so they're so they're not necessarily acquiring it. You're just kind of working with them. That's, to help how, that's basically how they do it with all, a lot of these things. Like a lot, they uh, help with distribution for a lot of the Swedish games as well. Uh, it doesn't mean mm. they own those games. It just means they're they're distributing them. Right. Um, so you know, we're still we're st- we're still making it. We're still printing it, and then we've sent like a thousand copies to Modifius's warehouse. So nice. So now they've got a thousand copies of Judge Dread, and they've got nice. about six hundred of Robot Wars or something like that ready to go. And they're going to be so shipping instead those of over individual. So instead of individual shipping costs on every order, it's one big lump. Get it over yeah. there, and then it gets to okay. Yeah. yeah nice. I I I you know. I, I hope that works out because one, it's it's an amazingly well put together book and system. It's fun to play. It looks amazing. You know, even if somebody has no interest in playing the game, there's so much 2000 AD lore in there, mm. and it looks great. But I mean, the the last two times, the best other than my weekly D and D game, mm. which you know we just have fun anyway. But the 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 most fun I've had uh, in the past year or so playing role playing games. Uh, just that kind of just stupid, silly laughing fun mm-hmm. was Judge Dread, which I sent you that rap sheet they put on the kid. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the uh, Ghost Breakers. Oh, uh, that was fun. Yeah. That was, and those are both Woin basically powered games, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, I think people would, I, I'd like to see those games get in more people's hands. So, yeah. Well, the next, uh, the next one of those is the Spartan Gambit. You know, Ghost Breakers. So yeah. Spartan Gambit is die hard on a spaceship, and that's going to be fun. Oh, that's, that's part of Ghost Breakers. Uh, no, no, that's like Ghost oh. Breakers, and it's one of those sort of one off. Oh, yeah, I got you. I got you. Right. Yeah, it's die hard on a spaceship. Yeah. Right. And we've got an entire uh, starship. It's got uh, sort of 50 odd decks in total. Yeah. Every single one of them we've mapped. Ho, ho, so you've got ho, the map of an entire starship, sort of USS Enterprise sized starship, completely uh. mapped. Be That's great, and of course, of course, it's possible to have a warp core breach, right? Of course, wouldn't of be course. any fun without a yeah. warp core breach. Yeah, well, that's great. All right, I, I, I kind of tangented. I think we both did, but good. That's good news. On you know, one thing, I'm, I'm glad for you, but the snarky part of me had this picture in my head of you and uh, is it Tales of the Apocalypse, powered by the Apocalypse, mm-hmm. being the last two holdouts with Modifius <laughs> behind like brick. <laughs> Brick concrete, you know, shooting back, you know. So you another has fallen. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, that's great. It's, that's just, great a, it's just a distribution deal. It's, uh, yeah, no, it's it's great news. Yeah, there's, right. there's anyway, nothing bad about that. We're on to number three in our countdown. Yes, so yes. Number three is from our Talsorian Games, Cyberpunk Red. Yay. Yes, Cyberpunk Red is the latest edition of the class playing, classic role-playing game of the dark future. So, you know the video game Cyberpunk 2077 coming? Yes, it's yes. Cyberpunk Red, as I understand it, is the tabletop RPG of that. Right. Although, why it's called Cyberpunk Red and not Cyberpunk 2077, I don't know, but... I think they're trying to get away from putting dates, because... I, I don't know, my guess is because, like, 77 is still a long time away. 
But I think they're trying to get away from we're dates. Not, we're just, not going to be around in 70s. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, that's my best guess. I don't know. But it could also be isn't – isn't um, I wonder if it has something to do with the video game is being done by CD Projekt Red, mm. right? I wonder if there's any kind of connection there. Hello, your editor Daryl here again. Cyberpunk Red takes place around the 2050s of the Cyberpunk timeline and acts as a bridge between the classic RPG Cyberpunk 2020 and the video game Cyberpunk 2077. According to Mike Pondsmith, the name Cyberpunk Red was chosen long before the deal with CD Projekt Red and was basically a reaction to so many people calling the third edition of the game Cyberpunk Green based on the green-tinted artwork on the cover and throughout the book. That was also the edition that used Barbie doll-style dolls photographed in cyberpunk outfits for the artwork in the book. They are going to be ignoring that edition of the game for Cyberpunk Red. But this is the classic. There's been a few cyberpunk role-playing games, but this is Cyberpunk 2020, 2077, whatever. That's the quote-unquote D&D of cyberpunk games, mm. right? It was, it was the big one, uh, you know, the other quasi cyberpunk game that is probably the bigger one out there is Shadowrun. Yeah, but that's not strictly cyberpunk, cyberpunk, is it? That's more Right, yeah. it's not strictly it's, right. It's got fantasy. Uh, it's got and heavy magic cyberpunk and stuff elements. Like that, isn't it? But this is your straight up cyberpunk. And cyberpunk, you know, I've got a friend who's huge into cyberpunk and and he's kind of helped me understand more and more of it's literally punk. It's it's the system is is evil and you're against the system. Mm-hmm. It's not just the cool technology and all that. There's an atmosphere it's Blade Runner. The mm. boot of society is stepping on you, and and and, and all of that. So it's very gritty. Uh, I've actually got the the Cyberpunk Jumpstart kit up there. Uh, I think maybe I opened it on a previous guest hosting. I can't remember, uh, but it's uh, anyway. It it you know it's 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 the next iteration of the of the granddaddy of Cyberpunk mm. role playing games. Yeah. So okay then. Number two. Yep. Number two is... So, uh, the Swedes always do really, really well at these polls. I'm not... They've produced really, really high-quality stuff. Like, the production quality on that stuff is great. You know, things like Tales from the Loop and all that sort of stuff. It's gorgeous. Right. And so, this is from Free League. And this is... Uh, I don't know quite... I think Vaisen, V-A-E-S-E-N, Vaisen Nordic Horror Roleplaying. Yeah, I don't know how to say Vason. Yeah, yeah, VA, I don't know how to say that, but... Uh, so this is by the same guy who wrote Tales from the Loop. Okay. And it's a dark, gothic setting steeped in Nordic folklore and old myths of Scandinavia. And they use the the Year Zero engine. I'm not familiar with the Year Zero engine. I haven't played you know it myself either, but they've, they've, okay. they've used that for a good few of their games. Okay. Uh yeah, it says, In dark forests beyond the mountains, by black lakes and hidden groves, at your doorstep, in the shadows, something stirs, etc. Twisted creatures, you see them for what they are, mm. or what they really are, Vason. So Vason, I guess, are these creatures or spirits. Mm. Yeah, I like these games that take, you know, uh, the uh, elements of, a, of another folklore or yeah. mythology, and, you know, because... There, there's so much more fantasy and horror and stuff out there than just what we know of in the West mm. or that what I know of in, in like the United States. Yeah, well, I think I so. think Scandinavia counts as the West, but yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not your traditional um, stuff. So, okay, right, we're at number one now. 
Number one. Number one. one. This is going to be the most anticipated game of the year. Are you ready? Yeah, let me give a drum roll. Hold on. I don't know if you can hear this, but... Oh, I can't even drum. (laughs) (laughs) Modifius is back again. Modifius is in there twice. Modifius is there. Modifius. With... Yes. Yes. June. 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 By House Atreides. They're number one. Mm. The number one. Another licensed game. Uh, So this was actually licensed by Gale Force 9. Yes. Who licensed June um, from the, I think it's the Herbert estate, is it? I guess. Right. Um, For the entire, the whole, they're like the master licensee for June. And they've sub-licensed the role-playing game part of that to Modifius. Wow. Uh, so, okay, so then. So, Force 9 will be making other stuff for June, but Modifius are doing the RPG. Uh, <laughs> I love the description here. Uh, it says, uh, do you mind, uh, do you mind if I just read this, yeah, yeah. this whole description? Okay. There's not a lot known about Modifius's upcoming Dune RPG. The agreement was signed in August 2018 with Gale Force 9 as the master licensee, what, what Morris was just breaking down for us. Andy Peregrine has been confirmed as the line manager, and there's a mailing list you can sign up to. It's probably in italics, powered by Modifius's 2D20 system. And it was number six in this list last year. Sometimes games remain anticipated for longer than a year. And that's about all we know. However, by votes, thousands of votes cast, this is the most anticipated tabletop RPG of the year. Mm. So, I'll, let me say this. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the Dune books, mm-hmm. especially the first Dune. Uh, I, I like, I've liked every movie or miniseries that's been made, because mm-hmm. I'm a Dune fan. Uh, I, I do not envy anybody that tries to turn this into a role-playing game. It's been done before. Because it has it. Was it done well? Uh, you know, or? I didn't see it myself, but I know that it existed. Okay. I think it was Wizards of the Coast that brought it out. It was, was it, about 20 it? years ago, maybe? I feel like to do... If you're really going to do Dune justice, it's hard, because there's a lot going on. And, you know... The book, yeah, but that, that just the, gives you lots of room for source books and expansions, and you know it does. Well, that's yeah, that that's one way of looking at. It. But the thing with Dune is, there's if you read the book, especially the first book, there's actually a not a lot of action. There are sporadic moments and spasms of action, mm. but there's not a lot of just outright action. Mm. And there's all this it, just really deep storytelling and, and world building. Uh, well, Andy Peregrine right. sounds like he'd be suited to that because he's definitely a sort of storyteller type. Right. I mean, we've got a running joke, me and Andy, and he denies it, but I, 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 I've got a running joke that he hates D&D. He doesn't. <laughs> but the first time, first time, well, one of the first times I met him, he gave me this big long lecture about how uh, D&D wasn't an RPG, which was basically... What? Which was basically... <laughs> John Wick posted an essay basically saying that a, yeah. a, a number of years back. Um, John Wick, the game designer, uh, and John Wick created Seventh Sea. Seventh Sea is Andy yeah, Peregrine's favourite game of all time. Andy Peregrine 
seems to share that exact same opinion because uh, he, he, he gave me a lecture on the subject one day, sitting in a caravan in a new forest for reasons well, that like don't need to be gone too into, but um, <laughs> and, uh, so it's been an ongoing joke he protests every time I tell him you hate D&D he protests and he says look I play D&D regularly but you know it's not a role play so is he saying that it's too hack and slash to really be like a role playing game I guess, game? I, guess. That, yeah. I guess I wasn't, I wasn't fully listening to be fair I guess, I guess <laughs> yeah it's all subjective on what role means I yeah. suppose so um, but um, yeah he's more, he's definitely more of a storytelling type sort of a gamer so uh, maybe that's well, including to the direction this game will go. I mean, the thing is, there are, there's a lot of, I don't know, there's a lot of, and it, it's a lot like the book you're writing, The Cauldron. There's a lot of machinations going on, mm. like political intrigue and Machiavellian. Because, like, like, for example, a lot of people don't realize from just watching the movies mm. that when the emperor gave House Atreides uh, the planet Arrakis... Mm. He did that so that they would be eradicated. Mm. It was a long game political maneuver. Uh, and then also there's this weird, like, here's, I'm like, how would you, how do you tackle this? Because they talk a lot in the book about the Catholic orange Bible mm-hmm. and, 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 and the religion, uh, because Frank Herbert wrote Dune after like going to the Middle East, mm-hmm. uh, and studying ecology and, and all of this stuff. The religion in Dune is a synthesis of Catholicism and Islam. Right. So it's just all this weird stuff, you know. But it, it, you know, I'm not saying it couldn't be done. I just don't envy the person that has to get all that to work and include action elements. So, but I would be, I would love to see it. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're going to be their first customer from the way you're talking. Yeah. I want to, I want to, I want to buy it so I can see how bad they messed it up. No, I'm just <laughs> I'm joking. sure it would be great. Yeah. No, there's so much. And see, the Dune universe is so much more than just Arrakis, mm. right? I mean, you got the Emperor and you got all this other stuff going on and you could have people like, I don't I don't know how much you remember from the books, but like Muad'Dib, Paul Atreides was, uh, was this sort of result of genetic engineering. So he had like powers, mm. uh, but there was other people out there that were failed attempts at that, that also had powers. Yeah. So you could have all this crazy stuff going on. I guess we're going to find out more later this year. So, of of those ten, right? This is interesting. Yeah. So, five of them are licensed properties. That is interesting. Three of them are new additions, which means that only two items in that ten, that top ten, are are new properties, and they would be they'd be uh, Swords of the Serpentine, Uh and oh, I think Cortex Prime. No, I think that's no. It's just the one, isn't it? Oh, Vason. There we go. Swords of the Serpentine yeah. and Vason are the only two new properties there. Did just stra- Oh, there aren't new additions there aren't new or new editions anything. or licenses. So Modiphius is in there twice. Swedish guys have done well. There's four UK entries in that top ten. Yeah. Which is interesting. And six, interesting, six of that top ten are sci-fi games rather than fantasy. That is that is very interesting. Um you know, I don't. I, w- I would be curious to see how that stacks against you know previous well, look years. Look at twenty nineteen. But... So twenty nineteen uh, sci-fi games. So number ten, Judge Dredd, sci-fi. Uh, changing the last. John Carter of Mars is sci-fi. June is sci-fi. Eclipse Base is sci-fi. The Expanse is sci-fi. There's five sci-fi games in twenty nineteen, uh, and then a couple of modern games and a couple of generic games in twenty nineteen, like Savage Worlds. Well, was that's interesting. One. 
there's nothing in this list that's a modern game. There's no modern. Unless I right. guess Rivers of London could be considered that set in modern. Well, Stargate, I guess, could like be SP, modern. Sci-fi, I don't know, isn't it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, but it's more sci-fi than modern. Yeah, interesting. So, yeah, Rivers of London may be in modern times, but it's urban, urban mm-hmm. fantasy. So, yeah, I see what you're saying. Well, uh, we got. Where are we at? Are we is that that's the top ten. That is the top ten. What's your personal? You want to end on what's your personal most anticipated out of those? Out of those, I think I would go Swords of the Serpentine. All right, that's a that's a very. I remember that that let's play y'all did. It's a, it's a very cool game and setting. Uh, I've got to go. Probably number one would yeah. Dune, just because yeah. I want to see what they do with it, and then my backup. Uh, my honorable mention would probably be Stargate, just to see what they do with my it. My so. honorable mention, I think, would probably be Rivers of London. Even though mm-hmm. I don't know much about it, it stands out for me in that list as being something different and interesting. They should have just called it Adventures on the Thames. <laughs> right. Adventures in Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> with Wars Divor- Can I have some Wars Divorce? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, dear. Right, man. Right, I think well, we're probably done, aren't we? Yeah, we are. It was, it was uh, very enjoyable, as always. Thanks for the invitation. Not a problem. And, and you're um, back next week. Yes, sir. And we'll be yeah. talking about the Capers RPG, which is on Kickstarter at the moment. And we've got Craig Campbell coming on to talk all about that. Why would they do uh, an RPG about little seafood things? <laughs> oh, dear, 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 dear. dear. Da-da-da. Damn it. It's like having Peter yeah, here. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, so I've got to, I got to fill in for mm-hmm. Peter. I can only sit in for it. I can never replace. No. Uh, but anyway, as all you know, thanks for the invite, and I look forward to uh, talking with you and your guests next week. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here.